بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا أما بعد Dear respected listeners We thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala The most gracious, most merciful most loving, most caring, uh, the Lord of the worlds, Lord of the heavens and the earth, who has given us the tawfiq to uh, attend and participate in a gathering of a tafsir or going over some of the uh, meanings of the verses of the Quran. And this is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tahsan upon you and I that we have been allowed to to participate, allowed to gather, allowed to focus for a few minutes a week on going over some of the meanings of the Qur'an. So continuing uh, on this beautiful surah of Surah Al-Fatiha. Um, last week we focused pretty much on Alhamd. That was the focus on it. Uh, and however, one thing that uh, I think I would like to mention just a few uh, before I continue with the with the ayat. I would like to mention some of the virtues of the surah, which I didn't get a chance to mention last week. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. One hadith related by um, Abu Sa'id. Uh, he says that I was performing. Abu Sa'id bin Al Mu'alla. He mentions kuntu salli fil masjid. I was performing in the masjid. فَدَعَانِي رَسُولُ اللَّهِ The Prophet وسلم, called me فَلَمْ أُجِيبُهُ I did not respond to him because he was praying فقلت, Afterwards he said فَقُلْتُ يَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ إِنِّي كُنْتُ أُصَلِّي يَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ I was performing salah That's why I didn't respond to you فَقَالَ He said أَلَمْ يَقُلِ اللَّهِ Didn't Allah say in the Quran uh, In Surah Al-Anfal Allah says إِسْتَجِيبُ اللَّهِ وَالرَّسُولِ إِذَا دَعَاكُمْ لِمَا يُحِيكُمْ that give your response to Allah by obeying Him and to His apostle and His messenger whenever He calls you. When I called you, you should have responded. So he, he corrected him that this, when the Prophet of Allah calls you, you need to say Labbaik, subhanAllah. And then after that he said, I am going to teach you a surah which is the greatest surah in the Quran. Before you leave, قبل أن تخرج من المسجد, before you leave the masjid. ثم أخذ بيدي, then he took my hand. فلما أراد أن يخرج, when he was about to leave the masjid, فقلت له I said, ألم تقول لو علمناك سورة هي أعظم سورة في القرآن يا رسول الله did you not just say that you're going to teach me the surah that is the greatest surah in the Quran before we leave the masjid? We're about to leave and you haven't taught me yet. قال the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said الحمد لله رب العالمين. He recited the first ayah of Surah Fatiha. And then he said, "He has seven al-mathani. This is the seven repeatedly. Uh, this is the seven. These are the seven verses that are repeated often, oft repeated verses. Quran al-Azim and the grand Quran which has been given to me. So this is something which no other uh, ummah was gifted with this uh, ayah uh, with this surah. And this is def- as Rasulullah said, "A'adhamu surah, the greatest surah in the Quran." It is a surah that's re- repeated often Because in every salah we are reciting it Sunnah, Fad, Nafil Another hadith related by Abdullah ibn Abbas عنه, He says وسلم, When Jibreel was sitting with the Messenger of Allah In one of the occasions 
The Prophet ﷺ heard his sound above him. Faraf or or Jibril heard a sound above him. Faraf so he he lifted his head and said that Hada Babun Minas Sama this is a gate um in the heavens. This is a gate that has been opened in the heaven today. It was never opened before. This is the first time it's opening. And this, there is an angel descending through it. And then he said, This is an angel who has come down to the earth. He has never come down to earth before today. He sent his greetings, this angel. And then he said, And he said, that rejoice and be happy and ha- enjoy the glad tidings of the two lights given to you. No prophet before you, no prophet before you was ever given a, such a blessing. What are those two nur? What are those two lights that Rasulullah was given? Fatihatul Kitab wa Khawatimu Surat al Baqarah. The the two lights are Fatihatul Kitab Surat al Fatiha. And the concluding verses of Surah Al-Baqarah He said you will never recite a word from them Without being given the blessings it contains You will never recite a word from them Without giving the blessings it contains And then another famous hadith That I think most of us have heard uh, Related by Abu Hurairah anhu, From the Prophet ﷺ, He said Man salatan lam fiha bi Quran Whoever performs salah Without reciting Umm al-Quran The mother of the Quran يعني, Surah Al-Fatiha فيخداج, Then it is incomplete It is incomplete And then the Prophet said Explained how this ayah uh, How this surah is He says The Prophet said Allah says I have split this salah Between myself and my servant Into two sections Two, uh, two sections And my servant will get Whatever he asks me how is it split in half? فَإِذَا قَالَ الْعَبْدِ when the, when, when the servant says Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala When the servant says Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says My servant has praised me Okay He says حَمَدَنِي عَبْدِي وَإِذَا قَالَ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ When the servant says الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ Allah says um, That أَثْنَى عَلَيَّ عَبْدِي My servant has exalted me When uh, the servant says Allah says Allah says when, when the servant says Allah says my, my servant has glorified me He has praised me Exalted me And lastly glorified me And then And in one, in one hadith it mentions That the Prophet said Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says uh, That my servant has submitted to my power When he says you're submitting to the power of Allah And when a servant says Allah says This is between me and my servant And my servant will get whatever he asks for So every single time we're stopping at these verses We just read Maghrib right? So in Maghrib and in our sunnas Whatever we're reading this This was, this was what was happening Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is responding to what we're saying and then when we say Allah says Allah says This is solely for my servant for, Allah says this between me and my servant So some half for me, half for my servant But when it comes to the last section Allah says this is only for my servant And my servant shall have whatever he has asked for 
So this is again a virtue of uh, Surah Al-Fatiha uh, from amongst many, many virtues that, uh, that have been compiled. Uh, ulama have mentioned about 12 different names that have been given to this surah. And the f- most famous one, Al-Fatiha, the opener. Uh, the other one is Ummul Quran, the mother of the Quran. I, you just heard from the hadith. Okay? Because it includes all the aspects of the Quran. It includes praises of Allah. It includes all injunctions. It includes prohibitions. It includes promises. It includes warnings. Right? So the Quran's themes, the praise of Allah, and the injunctions, prohibitions, and then promises and warnings are, 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 are you know, summarized here. And then another name of Surah Al-Fatiha is Surah Asas. Asas means foundation. Another name is Kenz, which means a treasure. Then Al-Wafiyah, the fulfilling one. Al-Kafiyah, the sufficient one. Al-Hamd, Surah Al-Hamd, the, the Surah of praise. Surah Al-Shukr, Surah of the gratitude. Surah Al-Dua, the Surah of supplication. Uh, surah Ta'limul Mas'alah. Interesting, right? Maybe this is the first time we're hearing this one. Ta'limul Mas'alah, teaching the manner of Dua. How to ask Allah. This Surah teaches us how to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then Surah Al-Salah This is a Surah which is recited in every Salah Surah Al-Shafiyah The Surah that cures You have a headache Recite Surah Al-Fatiha Someone in your family has got a headache Any pain Put your hand on that portion of the body Recite Surah Al-Fatiha with conviction The patient should also have conviction That Surah Al-Fatiha will remove my problems Inshallah by the time you finish reciting Surah Al-Fatiha On the seventh time you blow on it ta'ala With Allah's tawfiq The pain will be gone Okay so this is Al-Shafiyah The curing one Al-Shifa The cure and Sab'ul Mathani, the seven oft repeated verses. So these are all the beautiful names of the Surah Al Fatiha. The um, ayah that we we spent last week on, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, all praise for Allah, the Lord of the world, most of the time we spent on the word Alhamd and the aspect of praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alhamdulillah, you know, we can never do justice to, to this I mean, surah or to this concept or to this word, but we, you know, we spent some time on that. Um, and so it's as though Alhamdulillah has the entire essence of La ilaha illallah in it Tawheed Right? Believing in one Allah Praising Allah This, all, this is what deen is about And all of that Which is La ilaha illallah Has been brought together in Alhamdulillah Right? Um, and it's mentioned That uh, some, of the, uh, so, some of the ulama have mentioned an interesting statement It says about Wahab bin Munabbah he mentioned that it's written in some of the books. It's written in some of the books. There's no proper sanad or uh, chain of narration here. It's just a statement. Uh, when, uh, not to say that this isn't authentically being attributed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in any hadith or so, but it's um, most definitely this is the reality of all of us. What is that? Indeed, I and the human beings in jinn have a very strange affair. What is that? I create, and someone besides me is worshipped. وَأَرْزُقُ and I provide وَيُشْكَرُ سِوَايَا and someone besides me is 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 appreciated. خَيْرِ إِلَى الْعِبَادِ نَازِلُ goodness is continuously descending from me to the servants. وَشَرُّهُمْ إِلَيَّ صَاعِدُ and their evil sins continuously climb up to me. أَتَحَبَّبُ إِلَيْهِمْ بِنِعْمِ I try to shower my love and 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 kindness to them through my blessings. وَأَنَا الْغَنِيُّ عَنْهُمْ even though I am absolutely free of any need or want from them. And they try to get, uh, try to arouse my anger. They try to anger me through their sins. Although they are most uh, in uh, most in need of me. 
So the blessings, no one can deny. But unfortunately, the problem is that we are always attributing these blessings to someone else instead of attributing the blessings to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So now if you've enjoyed your dinner, uh, do not attribute it to the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the human being or, or, the, or the restaurant or, or anything else. First and foremost, attribute it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for everything that, that you have. And that's why Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam, what did he say? He said, mm, that I absolve, uh, I, I distance myself from every friendships, every friend's friendship. I mean, I've gotten, I, I cannot claim friendship with anyone. If I were to make anyone a real friend, close bosom friend, then I would have taken Abu Bakr as my best friend. We all know the relationship that Rasulullah enjoyed and Abu Bakr rather enjoyed with Rasulullah. But he says, if I were to take anyone as a friend, I would have taken Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. But, inna sahibakum khalilullah. He says, your uh, sahib, your sati, your companion. He's referring to himself. He's on the sahaba. That your companion, yani look at me. I, I am your companion. I'm not going to call yourself Khalil. I'm not going to call yourself my Khalil. Who is who am I? I'm Khalilullah. I'm the friend of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this love that Abu Qasidik had for Rasulullah and the amount of sacrifice that he did for him. We've heard where Rasulullah said, I've been able to pay back everyone for what the good that they have done for me. Except for Abu Bakr Siddiq anhu, I cannot pay him back. This is going to be paid back by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now ask yourself, this Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu, who put Rasulullah's love in his heart? If Allah will, Abu Bakr Siddiq anhu could come a thousand years before Rasulullah could come a thousand years after the Prophet So this love that even Abu Bakr Siddiq anhu has for Rasulullah Rasulullah is understanding and, and, and is basically highlighting this point that this love that you have for me, the sacrifice that you've done for me, and this, uh, this jazbah, this desire, is come to you from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if there's anyone who is worthy of friendship of mine that's got to be Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala subhanallah so this is what we're all speaking about in alhamdulillah that only belongs to Allah I, know, um, I may have mentioned this or not last week but I'll just still mention it again that alhamdu is a statement it is not a it is not a command of Allah where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says I want you all to praise Allah because someone can say no I don't want to right someone can say I don't want to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't say praises have been taken place Praise or Allah will be praised. Instead, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes this a fact of life. All praise belongs to Allah. This is something which cannot be belied. No one can say, I don't believe in this. Because we're not we're not even telling you to do something that you can turn around and say, I don't want to do this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is just basically saying a statement. All praise, we're telling you as it is, all praise belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like it or not like it, accept it or not accept it. This is the reality. Whenever you praise anyone, automatically it goes back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right, so when you purchase uh, when you purchase a, uh, a, 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 a you know a cold drink or soft drink or pop whatever you want to call it, what's happening? Whether you when you buy it from your local grocer or your local gas station, that money automatically is going to the uh, the the shareholders of that company and or is or going to the owner of that company. You may not you may have beef from the owner of that company or you don't like that company, but it doesn't make a difference. No matter which part of the world you go and you go buy a can of pop. That most definitely you are helping and grow the business of that uh, company. So w- even if you don't like the company, the fact that you simply buy it from anywhere in the world means you are giving your, uh, five cents or five percent, ten percent of that cost of what you just paid is going to the owners of that company. 
So when we praise Allah, when we praise anything of this world, no matter what it is, even if a person denies the existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it does not make a difference, the, uh, the praise will automatically go to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Moving on to Rabb. The word Rabb is someone who uh, nurt- nurtures, uh, nurtures uh, someone. And the nurturing takes place of, of both the jism and the nafs. Nurturing of the body, nurturing of the soul, the mind of the body. Uh, right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a Rabb. He nurtures not the, only the human being, but He nurtures Al-Alameen. Alam, the entire globe, the entire world. Okay, dear listeners, Alam is uh, uh, the world. Not just the world that you and I see. The world of angels, the world of jinn, the world under the sea, the world above the sea, the world above the sky, the world of the cosmos, right? Any other dimensions that may exist out there, okay? All of that stuff, each one of those things have different alams, different worlds. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala used alameen plural, telling us that there are many, many worlds out there, right? Every one of us have our own little world amongst human beings as well. We, are, we live in our bubble, we have our own world. And then there's a world of, you know, corporate world. There's a world of politics. There's a world of farmers. There's a world of, of educators, etc. These are all various types of worlds. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the Lord of all of these worlds. And ulama say alam. The world is been, it comes from the word alam. Alam is a flag. Okay. And the word alama. Alama, which is, means a sign, is also from the same root word. That is because the entire world, the entire world is a huge flag. The entire world and all the worlds are a huge flag pointing to uh, and fluttering with the name Allah. All, the entire world is what we call the word alama. What is alama? A sign. A big arrow sign. So the entire world is a huge arrow pointing towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you live in this world, there's no way you can deny Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's existence. And so this is the why the ulama say the root word for for flag the root word for sign and the root word for the world is the same because the entire world is pointing towards the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may Allah allow us to you know wake up allow our uh, allow us to see uh, something which is as clear and obvious as this uh, and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, you know when we talk about rabb you know, there's a statement. Someone, uh, someone, one of the ulama says he one day he went out in the street and he heard someone angry, angrily speaking about maybe an orphan. And he said, "Idalim abun, Just because he ab means father, just because he doesn't have a father, does he not have a rab? Meaning that a yatim, you know, an orphan or anyone else who may find themselves to be in a difficult situation where they have no one to assist them, no one to help them, they should remember the fact. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ever present That no matter if someone does not have uh, Someone there to assist them But they definitely have Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala So we, we should not be foolishly thinking That um, uh, We should not be foolishly thinking That uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not looking at, some, uh, at, at the situation of a, of a person who is going through some difficulty Instead Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Most definitely is going through is, uh, Most definitely Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Is looking through Looking at anyone and everyone what, Whatever they are going through um, Subhanallah So yeah, right? So let's always remember that Just because a person Does not have a father or a mother Does he not have a rab Instead Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy And rububiyah Is always present In all situations Okay, so then now let's move on to the 
um, attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala One attribute that we've done here is Rabb Right, Rububiyah So this ayah um, is, in, is speaking about praising Allah Hamd Madah Also praising Allah and Shukr So I want to give a little brief uh, exp- a difference between these three words Hamd, Madah and Shukr Hamd is when you praise uh, a perfection that is intentional Or when you praise a bounty that someone has That's Hamd Madah is when a praise of a perfection in general whether it's intentional or not And lastly shukr is a praise In lieu of, of a bounty So basically shukr is in lieu of a bounty And hamd is just generally You are per- praising someone For the perfection that they have Even if they have not given you anything Okay, And the alif lam means the entire genre Or the entire jins Of every single thing All sorts of praises belongs to the lord of the worlds Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim um, we talked about this when we did the Basmala Most gracious, most merciful Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Rahman in his, in his being Rahim in his actions Okay, sometimes a person is Rahim in his actions Right, he does something nice But he's not merciful in, his, in himself It's because of a situation, ulterior motive He's acting nice But deep down he's evil Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his being And all his actions He is most kind, most merciful, most loving Okay, so in Basmala, uh, when we said Bismillah, Rahman, Rahim, we these two attributes give us the meaning of hope, and in Surah Al-Fatiha, this is the place why we recited over here in order to praise Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Then we move on to Ar Maliki Yomiddin, the master, okay, um, uh, ma- master of the Day of Judgment. So Malik, in some riwayat, this word has been Maliki Yomiddin In some uh, uh, modes of reciting this surah It has been Maliki Yomiddin, which means the king or, um, And Malik would mean the master So Malik, owner and master, he who is justified to deal with his possessions as he wishes Because he is the owner of it And Malik would be the king He is the one who holds the jurisdiction over what needs to be ordered What needs to be prohibited And he has everyone under his control So these are two separate things Malik and Malik um, Malik may own something But may not be p- capable of passing judgments While Malik, the king He's the one who passes judgments But he might not be the owner of everything Not every all uh, uh, The king does not own everything That everyone has in their houses However, he can send someone to jail. He can give someone a uh, a, 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 a you know position as a minister. And Malik is the owner in the house. Okay, he owns whatever in there, but he does not have a right to uh, to make pass judgments. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is both. He's Malik and he's Malik. So he controls everything. He owns everything, and he also controls every aspect of it. Um, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. In this ayah here Is telling us That Yom al-Din The day of judgment Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Is the owner of it Yom literally means Any moment of time Right From morning to evening Is called Yom Today Yom al-Ahad Yom al-Ithnayn Saturday, Sunday You know the, the, the days of the week Are called Yom And And uh, here is speaking about Specifically the day of judgment Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Why is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Reminding us Of that because today Allah Azza wa Jal has granted all of us some level of autonomy. Okay? Some level of autonomy. 
where a person can choose uh, he wants to lead a life of righteousness or wants to lead a life of sin. He has a right to be kind to the, his people or be harsh with his people, etc. This is the dunya where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows us to use our free will, to exercise our free will, and no one is stopping you to do that. But on the day of judgment, a free will will end. Whatever type of tawbah you want to do, this is the time. Whatever type of rectification, rectification we would like to do, this is the time. Whatever type of you know, good deeds we want to do tonight, after this, after Isha Salah, you and I want to read two rakats extra salah, we can. But if we are amongst those thousands of people who passed away today in the entire world, it's too late. Man mata qamat qiyamatuhu. The one who dies, his day of judgment has begun the time as soon as he dies. Pretty much. Because his book of deeds is closed. Already his 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 qabr is gonna be a pit of hell or a garden from from, from Jannah. So for all practical purposes, from for an outsider, his day of judgment has already begun. Right? He's already gonna be facing the punishments or the uh, rewards that, that are gonna you know that are gonna be uh, presented to him on the day of judgment. Although it's not gonna be the full thing. But the, it, it will all, already begin. Like for example, the, a person who is uh, has not been sentenced to prison yet, uh, but he's waiting in jail to get sentencing, uh, and maybe he's not. You know, it might take one year, two years, like we see in this country, or in other parts of the world as well. I mean, for for all practical purposes, he's already in he's already in prison, right? Uh, he's in a cell. Uh, he doesn't have access. To, uh, he doesn't have freedom that he used to have. So when you a person's in qabr He's not arrived in Jahannam yet But a lot of the things that will happen It has already begun now So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Is complete controller of the day of judgment Where you will, you and I will know That we are not in control Today he's allowed us to do something You may have, I think we, we did the hadith of Rasul Sallam last week I shared with you a beautiful hadith Related by Sahal bin Sa'ad anhu, That the Prophet said That Jibreel said Live as long as you wish that you are going to you're going to die love whoever you wish you have to part ways one day and do as you wish you're going to be rewarded or punished for that Okay. so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is letting us know he says in surah Hamim Sajda do as you wish do as you wish he says in surah Al-Kahf whoever wishes he can become a believer whoever wishes he can become a disbeliever Okay, you have the you have the free will right now. What does he say? Like Allah nafsan illa Allah subhanahu wa taala does not burden you more than you can handle. Every soul will enjoy the good deeds that it does. And it will have to face the repercussions of the sins that it committed. Any person, any soul that does any good deed, it is for its own benefit. And whoever does a sin. He will have to face a repercussion for it. And your Lord is not an oppressor of the servants. Your Lord, when He chooses to punish someone, He is not punishing them because He enjoys punishing them. He is not punishing them because this is something that you know uh, uh, that He He ga- He gained some greatness through that. This is the the wisdom of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. He's saying, I don't make zulm. I've given you free will. It's your app. It's your chance to uh, to do it. So when Malak al Maut will come. Then all ikhtiyar, all free will will end. A man, the, the ability to be trustworthy is gone. The, the desire to fulfill some lust is gone. Every, the whole world is, is, is um, wrapped up. Your ability to think and process is all gone. And you are facing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay? So this is 
how in, when the imtihan when the student is studying throughout the year some students they work hard some students are lazy but nothing's going to happen to them throughout the whole semester it's only on the exam day exam time when the when the paper is presented into them to them someone will walk away with 100 some will walk away with a zero right so that day we are being reminded in Surah Al-Fatiha, Malik Yawmiddin, that day is coming when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a master of the day of judgment. Ulama also mentioned one thing, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He didn't say, Qadi Yawmiddin, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not the judge. Because the judge have to, has to, the judge, uh, the judge has to, uh, you know, follow through the injunctions of the, uh, of the, of the constitution. His job is to, um, yeah, uh, you know, make sure that the constitution is followed, etc. He cannot change any of that stuff, right? But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Malik Yomidin. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the owner. He owns it. And he is the king, Malik as well. So that's why Allah Azza wa Jal, he is not uh, uh, forced uh, by anyone or any rule that he has to follow. Instead, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may do as he wishes. What do I mean by that? That as it comes in hadith, when a person Repents to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And Allah Rasul said Allah Azza wa says in hadith Qudsi Ya ibn Adam Oh son of Adam Law balagat dhunubuka anana samaa Thumma astaghfartani Oh son of Adam If if your sins were to reach The uh, uh, corners of the horizon And then you choose to seek forgiveness from me I will forgive all the sins that you have done And I don't care no one can ask me. Allah says in the Quran. He cannot be asked about what he does. Right? So that's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No one can say, Ya Allah, why did you forgive X, Y, and Z? If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chooses, you and I can't say anything. Okay? That's why we should never say, we should never say that so and so can never be forgiven. He committed so much, so many bad things. Absolutely not. You and I, we don't have any right to say that. That's not our jurisdiction. We all got to be worried about our own selves. All right, we have to be worried about our own selves. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can forgive anyone. Similarly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may look at someone and may, and may dis, be so upset about one thing that he or she has done. Right, like like disrespect to Rasulullah, disrespect to parents, or or disrespect to Allah, or some, whatever it may be, it could be one action that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala dislikes, and He says, "Get out." What happened to Shaitan? Shaitan made tons of ibadah. He made lots of ibadah for thousands of years, and Allah wa'alam how many years, how much ibadah he had done. But when Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala told him one thing, to do sujood, to to show uh, honor to Adam, and he said no, Allah Subhanahu said, "That's it. Ukhraj minha, Ukhraj, get out. That's it. No discussion after this. It, you know, out." That's something, so that's food for thought that there, That's why we have to continuously Seek forgiveness from Allah No matter what we do that, Why do you think we read At the end of the salah right? Look at the translation Oh Allah I have oppressed myself Immense oppression I need so many levels of emphasis The root word has been mentioned It has been qualified right? Quantified by kafira a lot I have severely oppressed myself And then We don't just stop there Oh Allah None can forgive Any of these sins Besides you And then Oh Allah Please forgive me uh, So we didn't just Leave it like that Do you remember Last week On Saturday night We talked about Two forms of dua One is when you Simply state the condition And one is when you Actually ask something Notice this dua Brings both of them together 
You're stating the condition, I've done a lot of oppression. I've really crossed all boundaries and hurt myself immensely. And then you're also stating the condition that no one can forgive me besides you. But you didn't stop there. You go on to the next thing. Faghfirli, Allah, please forgive me. Then you didn't stop there. Maghfiratan. Again, the root word has been mentioned, right? To add emphasis. Mina'indika. This maghfirah is not coming from anyone beside you. Mina'indika. Ya Allah, grant me forgiveness that comes specially from you. Warhamni and then have mercy from me, for upon me. Then we didn't stop there. Innaka ya Allah. Of course I'm gonna ask you and I expect that you're gonna listen to me. Why? Innaka antal rahim because indeed you are most forgiving, most merciful. Right? That's what you do. That's your uh, you know job description. Right? Subhanallah. You go to a uh, you go to a doctor, you go to a plum you call to a plumber, what do you expect? You're gonna expect him to fix your fix your plumbing issue, you're gonna expect him to fix your health issue. When you go to Allah, that's who he is. He is Ghafur, he's Rahim, he's Rahman. Right? So what do you expect? You expect that he's going to forgive you. That's the expectations we all should have from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That that's what he wants to be known as. Most forgiving, most merciful. Okay? So, when is this dua, this powerful dua filled with submission, humility, okay? When is this recited? After someone commits a major sin? Absolutely not. It is, it is recited after we perform the greatest ibadah, salah. And after every salah, we say the same thing. Ya Allah, I've sinned so much. I have oppressed myself so much. Why? Because Ya Allah, we're scared that what if this what if this salah does not get accepted? Allahu Akbar. Think about people who um who are who write their in, who go through interviews for jobs, okay? Who 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 go for interviews at colleges, who fill out um uh, application forms for universities and application forms for jobs, okay? Do they think that they've done ihsan by filling out the application? Think about that. Like, you know, especially now that people have, you know, in the in the in the in the country have lost jobs. Ask, imagine one of those brothers or sisters. May Allah make it easy for them, and may Allah protect us and protect our risk. Has to go. Does he, you know, does he feel like cocky and arrogant and and and, and you know glamorous that he went for an interview, or that he, he did he did a job interview? You know, absolutely not. He's as they say, I got my fingers crossed. I'm just hoping. I'm just hoping I, I, he says yes. I'm just hoping she says yes. I'm hoping I get into this university. I'm hoping that I get this job. So just because you did an interview, just because you fill out the paperwork, that doesn't mean anything. Like we say in Urdu, right? Who are you, you know, counting your favors upon if you go did you went for an interview? You're lucky you got a chance to go for an interview. There's millions of other people who would love to have that job. Similarly, salah is a gift that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is allowing us to perform. Allowing us to perform. While thousands and millions of people are not allowed to perform this. So if we have done this salah, we are not doing a favor upon Allah. Instead, Allah has simply done a favor upon us by even allowing us to put our head down in front of Him. So now after we've done that, what are we hoping? We're hoping that this salah gets accepted in Allah's court. We're scared. Like how a person comes out of interview, a job interview, a university interview, he's thinking, oh man, I'm not sure if I gave the right answer over there. I'm, you know, my verbal cues were not good, or my, you know, my presentation was not good, my tie was not right, I wasn't, you know, all sorts of things people start thinking and uh, overanalyzing their performance. They really want to get that job. They're scared. Well, this is how the condition should be after every salah. Ya Allah, I performed, but you know, I don't even know if I remembered what I recited in the second rakah. I don't even know if I read enough tasbihat. Ya Allah, I don't know if my mind drifted off in, in, in sajda. Right? I don't know if I read my tahiyyat properly. I don't know if my tajweed was performed properly. I don't know if my wudu was done with all the sunnah and etiquettes. This is the thoughts in our mind. That, Ya Allah, my salah is not worthy of acceptance. My wudu is not worthy of acceptance. My mind is not focused as it should be. Ya Allah, I've oppressed myself. But you, out of your kindness, ghafoor, rahim, please accept it. Please overlook my mistakes and my sins. Right? So this is 
the chance that we all have right now, tonight and tomorrow and every day. May Allah give me the tawfiq. May Allah give you the tawfiq. All of us to make the most before ma- before we come in front of Maliki Yomuddin, the master of the day of judgment, after which we will not have any opportunity to do anything. The next ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, You alone do we worship, Ya Allah, and you alone do we seek help from. Okay? So, um, two things. We're, 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 we are, we're telling Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that there's no one we, 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 have, we have no other... We have, you know, when the university asks, have you, have you applied anywhere else? When you apply for a job interview, there may be some of the jobs may say, have you applied anywhere else? Okay, so when you come to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's like, okay, did you try a bunch of other doors and also just knocking Allah's door as well? Okay, have you tried worshipping a ton of other things? Tried worshipping money, tried worshipping, uh, you know, uh, powerful people, etc. And then, um, uh, now we're trying out with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? You say, no, that's not, uh, that's not what it is, ya Allah. Iyaka na'bud. Ya Allah, there's no one I worship besides you. Now there's, there's a way uh, You look at the slide It says here You alone do we worship You may be wondering Why is it like that Why don't we say Ya Allah we worship you alone And the reason is that The maf'ul The object of the verb The verb is Ibadah The wor- verb is Na'budu That has been brought first Instead of traditionally saying Na'buduka We worship you Allah Azza chose to bring The object of Ibadah Which is Allah Brought that first And said Iyaka You alone and so in, uh, this is a, a, uh, a, a method in Arabic In order to emphasize something And in order to focus Put your focus upon something Then you bring, it, you bring the object first So that therefore even When I say I worship, We worship you As I am saying Before I get to the object of ibadah, There is like a portion of a second A chance that I am worshipping someone And something besides Allah as I'm saying na'budu right until I say na'budullah or na'buduka ya Allah I worship you Allah but when you bring the object of the verb first and you say oh Allah you alone do we worship for not even a moment not even a second are we allowing this concept or this 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 idea uh, to grow that a new one besides Allah is being worshiped we just completely throw it out there is absolutely no way Anyone is being worshipped besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Subhanallah. Right? This is the what we call hasr, uslub al hasr. And similarly, um, similarly, that Ya Allah, we don't want to seek assistance from anyone else besides you. Right? This is the disclosure we have to do with Allah. Right? <laughs> you, I, I need to ask myself, you need to ask yourself, how true is this true? I mean, we're saying this every day. We already read it. We said this 20 times, 25 times today already in our salah. More than that. 100, maybe, you know, much more than 20 actually. But are we really seeking deep down? Are we seeking help and assistance from others, dear friends? Using the means of this world is fine, but putting your trust in it is not fine. And this is the issue I suffer with. This is the issue with most of us have a problem with, is that while we use the means, unfortunately, our yaqeen and conviction begins to fall on those means, and we really, really start thinking that that's where our needs get fulfilled. And what's what is the what is the proof of that? The proof of that is when that means. Is lost We feel that we've lost everything We say yes Allah provides But we actually think that the, the, the bread earner of the home The father, the husband Or maybe the wife and the mother as well in some cases Is a source of, of risk So when that father or mother dies When that bread earner dies 
what happens? Or he is sick. Everyone's worried. Oh my God, what's going to happen? We are going to perish. We're not going to be able to live without our uh, uh, provider of, of sustenance. That's so what happens. Deep down, the yaqeen is there that this is the only way risk is coming to me. When a person is earning his job, earning his livelihood through a um, through a, uh, a job, through a, uh, a company, and that company chooses to fire him or to let him go, now a person, what happens to him? Does he really think I'm going to die? Does he really think that that's it? Does he, or does he think that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was the one who's providing me? Till today, he was providing me to through this company. I don't know what he's going to provide me from tomorrow. But most definitely, whatever risk was written for me, it is impossible for me to miss that risk. That risk will come and seek me out and search me out the way death seech, uh, searches out and seeks out someone. So th- th- that means when a person loses his job, when a person goes through some type of difficulty, our our attention needs to be directed closely to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay? And we need to be saying, Ya Allah, you're a zaq, you're a provider. Please, you know, grant me. So, Iyaka na'budu, Iyaka nasta'in is a very important part of our aqidah. That we are seeking assistance from no one besides Allah. We are worshipping no one besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ulama have given, uh, you know, explanation of what a real ubudiyah is what it does it mean to be a true abd Allah of Allah what does it mean to be a truly a worshiper of Allah that is all your decisions are 100% in accordance to what Allah asks you to do muwafiqan 100% of what Allah asks you to do you're doing it then you are the servant of Allah and if we do 90% of what Allah asks us to do okay then what's the other 10% the 10% we're doing it for someone else we may become that's why if we are إذا لم تكن عبدا لله فلا فلا بد أن تكون عبدا لشهوتك if you are not truly a servant of Allah then most definitely you have probably become the servant and a slave of your desires uh, or a slave of gold and silver or a slave of another slave of Allah so that's even worse okay so that's when Nabi said تَعِيسَ عَبْدُ الدِّينَارِ وَعَبْدُ الدِّرْهَمِ that destruction be woe to the slave of the gold and silver coin why didn't Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam say that? Because there really are people like that Who are Abdul Dinar Who are Abdul Dirham They will sell their religion Nay, they will sell their parents off also for money right? They will lie And, and they, will, they will sell their parents They will sell their honor They will sell everything In order to make extra bucks So those are the hor- worst type of people who, who worship the gold and silver Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said Halak, it that Maybe woe to them Maybe may they be destroyed So when a person is not Abdullah then who does he become? He becomes ab, uh, Abd of Shahwat, Abd of Desires, etc. Okay, and what is the definition of Ibadah? One nice definition, short and sweet but powerful, is that Ta'atun Tasbiquha Ma'rifah Wa Ta'qibuha Sa'adah. Ta'atun, it is the obedience. Of, what is Ibadah? It's obedience which is preceded by knowledge of Allah. It is obedience which is preceded by knowledge. Knowledge of who Allah is How powerful Allah is Knowledge of His names Knowledge of His attributes And then what comes after this obedience Sa'ada Enjoyment Happiness Great life Alright So such a nice definition That ibadah is obedience to Allah That is preceded by knowing Him And that is followed by An enjoyable beautiful life
And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that's what it says in the Quran. وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ We have not created the human beings and the jinn except for the explicit purpose of worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So throughout the Quran, Allah azza wa jal, He says, إِنِّي أَنَ اللَّهِ لَا إِلَهِ إِلَّا أَنَا فَعْبُدْنِي Right? Worship me, fa'buduni. Many, many places. Allah subhanahu wa taala says that. So when we perform our salah, and when we do our rukur, when we bow down and and we do our rukur, we are in essence announcing to Allah our humility and our humbleness. Right? We're saying, Ya Allah, here I go. I am prostrating. I'm bending down in front of you, announcing to you, Ya Allah, that I I am humbled in front of you. Right? I am nobody. Then when we go into sujood, then when we go into sujood, what happens there? We are We are seeking the assistance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So two things are happening. We are doing, we're doing i'lan of khudur. We are announcing our humility and humbleness in ruku'ah. And in sujood, we are seeking the assistance of Allah. Alright? So this is amazing. We're saying, Ya Allah, we are, we are announcing our abdiyya, our ubudiyya, our servitude and slavery to you. But Ya Allah, we cannot really worship you without you giving us the ability to do so. So Iyaka Nasta'in is not about just seeking assistance for risk. No, even before we get to risk, it's seeking assistance from Allah to even worship Him. What is the dua that Rasulullah said? Do not neglect after any fard salah. What is that? Allahumma inna ala dhikrika wa shukrika Oh Allah, uh, assist me, assist us, dhikrika, to remember you, wa shukrika, to thank you, wa husni ibadatik, and to worship you appropriately and in the most beautiful manner. So, yaka nasta'een, it's as though we're asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the ability uh, and we're asking help uh, to be able to worship Him properly. The next ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we, say, we ask Allah, Remember, Allah is teaching us to beg. Allah is teaching us to ask. And this is why, you know, atheists can never accept Islam unless they give up their arrogance. Because people don't like this. They say, why should I beg anyone? Yeah, you know, this is the biggest problem. Why should I humble myself anyone? You know, if you have arrogance within you, you won't be able, you won't be able to be a Muslim. You, you won't be able to. We, to, to say all of this stuff People don't like Putting their head down today Because they feel like For what? I have my own home I have my own job I have, I have this PhD MD JD I got all this stuff For what? So Islam really requires A huge level of humility And humbleness And unless and until People give up their arrogance They're not going to be able to They're never going to be guided Towards Islam And may Allah save us From that type of arrogance And any, any and all forms of arrogance Rather Okay, so إِهْدِنَا صَلَاةَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ Ya Allah, we're asking Allah to guide us to the straight path. Okay. Sirat Ibn Qayyim Jawzi Al-Rahimahumullah mentions regarding Sirat Al-Mustaqim. He says, what does, what does it mean to be following the straight path? Okay. He says that a path is not going to be called a path until it has certain qualities in it. Okay. Five qualities he mentions. He says, if it has five qualities, then it will be called Path. What are those five qualities? Number one is that the path needs to be um, straight. It has to be straight. Number two, it has to allow you to reach your destination. So it's got to be mustaqim. It's got to be muslim al-maqsud. It's got to take you to the destination. Third, it's got to be the quickest, shortest way. It's got to be the quickest, shortest way. All right? It's aqrab. Number four, it's got to be wide. Wasiya. Number five, 
there should be no other way to get to your destination besides that road. Five things. It's got to be straight. It's got to eventually take you to where you need to get to. It has got to be the closest way to get to closest and the quickest way to get to your destination. It's got to be wide and expansive. And uh, there should be no other way to get to your destination besides that. If all of these five are not present, if all of these fives are not present in uh, the uh, in in the path you are walking, then it is not mustaqim. It is not sirat rather. Okay. So Allah subhanahu wa taala, on top of saying sirat here, He also said mustaqim. Now we know that the closest point between the closest uh, d- dis- distance uh, line between two points is a straight line. So the closest way to get to Jannah is what? The straight path, right? That's why we're asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the straight path. Something that is straight will get you there the quickest. It will be the shortest. What else? It will never change. It will always be same. And it, it will be enough for everyone to pass by. That's why it's got to be wasiya and wide. That everyone's got to be able to fit on there. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in another place in what? Surah Al-Am. An'am. وَالنَّادَ صِرَاطِ مُسْتَقِيمًا Indeed, my path is straight. Sirati, my path. He says, my path is straight. فَاتَّبِعُوا Follow it. وَلَا تَتَّبِعُوا Subula. Do not follow the other paths. Okay, otherwise you're going to get lost. Subul, plural. The path to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is just one. Um, so, another thing we learn from here is that uh, the hidayah and istiqamah has many, many layers. Okay, uh, Ibn Qayyim rahmatullah has written a whole book just on this ayah a whole book when he talks about the different uh, levels of hidayah hidayah has hundreds of levels hundreds of levels if not you know they're actually endless levels but if you want to if you want to um, specifically give them like names then you you know for a human being for us it'll be limited we could say uh, hundreds of levels all right so everyone is at a different level and every day you can move on to the next level every minute you can move on to the next level there is no such level after which there does not exist a higher level okay that is why the rasulullah is is being taught himself reciting surah al-fatiha because when we say mustaqim it doesn't just mean ihdina guide me it also means that um Continue to guide me Istiqama Okay So Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Already was Had the most hidayah Forever any human being Yet he's asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala To continue to inspire him And to continue to allow him To go to higher levels And so this is what Ihdina salat al-mustaqim We're asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for Sirat al-ladheena an'amta alayhim then we're specifically asking, we're giving details of, and we're being taught by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's teaching us in this surah how to ask Him. And so we're being taught that to qualify this path. Who is this the path of? This is the path of um, the, uh, the righteous ones. Okay, this is the path of the righteous ones who you have favored. The path is a path of whom you are favored and not those upon whom there is wrath nor astray. Not those upon whom there is wrath nor astray. So much ulama have mentioned on this, subhanAllah. Okay, just on this this part as well. Surat al-Ladina an'amta alayhim. 
that we have been told that the, I love this point that this path towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it may seem to a person that you're alone Allahu Akbar right we have students we have other people who are who, uh, who are who are reverts listening maybe or you know in our communities they're the only one they're the only one who are Muslim, uh, you know Muslim I remember when I used to be Imam um, out in Frankfurt and um, Allahu Akbar I remember you know we used to go out to drive there from here Lombard yeah, 30, 30, 35 miles to go lead Salah and one Christmas day it was snowing and, uh, and the roads were bad and, 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 and I drove out there and when I went there um, there was three people for Salah I think so we, we um, uh, performed the Salah and then we had the Dars after Isha and the people were like oh Sheikh why did you come it's so bad I said no you guys you, the ikhlas that I see in you beloved few brothers here it's totally worth it for me the talab that you have the desire that you have it's totally worth it for me to drive 70 miles round, round trip to come and lead Isha and spend a little bit of time with you all but I remember our beloved brother Shakir uh, African American brother Rahimahumullah uh, Rahmatun Wasi'a passed away a couple years ago uh, would come and I would be thinking that you know him and his sons would sometimes would come convert brothers and the whole family is probably celebrating Christmas and here are there on this Christ, you know, snowy Christmas night in, in the masjid right our many Desi brothers are not having the tawfiq to, or Muslim born Muslims rather I should say not having the tawfiq to come Christmas day everyone's at home but here he had these convert brothers coming to the salah as is in many many communities all over the you know world and uh, I remember he told me when he long ago maybe many many decades ago uh, when he was um, except some, you know out there I think in the south somewhere was it Alabama or whatnot? He was telling me that just for Salatul Jum'ah, you know, they would have to drive three, four hours, three, four hours to go perform Salatul Jum'ah, right? Um, and sometimes these people would leave, you know, just to, just imagine that three, four hours. May Allah forgive us. May Allah forgive us. You know, I, I am most myself very muqassir uh, uh, and 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 myself lacking in this. But the respect for Jum'ah, my dear friends. Now, hopefully, we're getting a little taste of it without Jum'ah. And, I, and what it is like What type of life it is Without performing Jum'ah in a masjid But it really You know we, we, If we have time uh, To come early Why not If we have time To come a little bit early We're not driving Four hours Three hours Six hours I know some people Who is to travel You know Even longer than that To get for Salatul Jum'ah Alhamdulillah We're only 10 minutes away from work but yet we find masajid in America Unfortunately until the khutbah Or the salah does not begin The masajid are empty right? So hopefully after this crisis is over we, we will hopefully mend our ways I will mend my ways We all mend our ways inshallah And we try to start coming to Salat al-Jum'ah when, when the adhan is called If not before that So what we're speaking about over here I don't know where I went off Subhanallah I was just speaking about the fact that This is Yani, uh, the ni'mah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Upon someone That when you are sometimes tr- Treading the path of Islam You'll find yourself to be alone Okay You'll find yourself to be alone You're the only one wearing hijab in your whole family You're the only one wearing niqab in your whole family You're the only one struggling to become a hafiz in your family You're the only one trying to eat hand slaughtered halal meat in your family I know that These are students of ours The only kid who eats You know you know, Zabiha food is, the, is, the, is a girl or the boy who's studying here The whole family is unaware of this mas'ala Imagine what type of sacrifices They ask me how am I supposed to speak to my parents about this issue Right The sister is the only one who's wearing hijab So you think that man I'm alone This is so difficult Allahu Akbar This ayah the ulama say 
Surat Al-Ladina Namta Alim is a message for you that you're not alone. You are being told that this is the path of those who Allah has showered His blessings upon. You may not see them with you right now, but trust me, they are all over the world in the past, present, and future. And you're going to meet with them in the Akhirah. These are the chosen people who are treading this um, you know, quiet path. Do not think you're alone. You are, guess what, who you're with. Allah mentions in Surah An-Nisa, Four categories. The prophets, Siddiqin, the most truthful ones, Shuhada, the martyrs, Salihin, the most righteous ones. Those are the people who are actually with you. Allah says, What an amazing group of comrades and companions you have. Okay? So if you, are, if you find yourself following the deen alone in your home right now, uh, okay? So don't realize that this ayah is, is a um, message to you. Surat al Ya Allah, this, I'm not alone on this. This is the path of those who you have uh, definitely put your favor upon. And as explained in Surah An-Nisa, who they are. غَيْرِ الْمَغْضُوبِ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَلْضَالِينَ Oh Allah, save me from the path of those who have earned your wrath and anger. Okay, so the anamta alayhim, the people who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala favored, I already explained to you. you right? Those are the anbiya, siddiqin, shuhada, salihin. The next category are the people who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who've earned Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's anger. Who earned Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's anger and who have gone astray. Who are those people? Uh, those are the people who had uh, knowledge but did not practice on it. Those are the maghdubi alayhim. And waladdalin are the people who had uh, no, uh, not, uh, what you call a desire to practice but no knowledge. So the first category are people who have knowledge but they don't care about their knowledge. They uh, follow their desires And they stand up against knowledge And the people of knowledge Which was exemplified in, in the form of Yahud in B- Bani Israel Who ended up killing the prophets And who had, who knew everything Yet decided to follow their desires But it's not limited to the Yahud It's for anyone who after knowing Decides not to practice on the knowledge he or she has Waladdalin, The ones who gone astray Are the ones who do not have the knowledge Either They just simply They just have You know Aqidat as we say They have love They have mahabba And they think They're gonna, go, they're gonna get, get to Jannah Just through that So they over They overdo it In terms of um, of, of, uh, of, of Of love And veneration Like they did with Isa salam Okay And people do today With the peers And the sheikhs And the graves And all that stuff Right So this is uh, for, for this ummah as well Anyone Who only has Mahabbat and love And, and does not have knowledge and ends up doing misleading things He's part of waladdalli So we're specifically asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Protection from such two categories of people Okay Notice here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we, How we ask Allah Sirat al-ladheen an'amta alayhim The path of whom you have favored And then it doesn't say The path of upon, upon whom you are angry And the path of those who you have led astray We learn so many things here One obvious thing that I'm sure all of you picked up on Is that This is the adab and the etiquette with Allah that we do not attribute evil to him. We do not attribute bad things to him. We attribute only good to him. Just like Ibrahim والسلام, said, He created me, he guides me. Gives me food and gives me to drink. And when I fall ill, he treats me, cures me. When I fall ill, he could have said, When he makes me sick, then he gives me cure. He didn't say that, but he said, when I fall ill. So this is the etiquette with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we attribute only good towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's one thing. The adab that we have with Allah. 
Another thing what we learn from here, the ulama say, is that in Am, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when He blesses someone, this is out of Allah's grace only. None of us deserve any good from Allah. Okay? This is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's grace from Allah. We have no istihqaq. We are not worthy of it. However, when it comes to Allah's anger, and when it comes to people being misled, then this is not something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does from His end first. Rather, the ball is in our court. This is our aqidah. That whenever we, we earn the wrath of Allah, we deserve the wrath of Allah. So when Allah, this is, that's why the books of aqidah say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, yarham, uh, wa yu'adhib bi'adli. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mercy out of His grace. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala punishes out of His justice. Very important point. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mercy out of His grace. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala punishes out of His justice. So this is why we do not attribute anger and being, and being misled towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is where, uh, mashallah, you know, the, the surah comes to an end. Much, much more has been mentioned by ulama here, but we really do not have time to get into, into uh, much more than what we have covered. If we can keep in mind some of these points, uh, inshallah, hopefully this will help us improve the quality of our salah, improve the quality of reciting Surah Al-Fatiha. Just to sum up, five attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have been mentioned. And if you can say five attributes of a human being have been mentioned in this surah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's uluhiyyah has been mentioned. Allah being uh, ilah. Allah's rububiyyah has been mentioned. Allah's rahmaniyyah has been mentioned. Allah's rahimiyyah has been mentioned. Allah's malikiyyah has been mentioned. And in terms from the human being, Allah, uh, human beings ibadah has been mentioned. Human beings isti'ana has been mentioned. Human beings talab hidayah has been mentioned. Human beings talab iqama has been istiqama has been mentioned. And human beings talab ni'mah has been mentioned. So just to translate it, that and they all match up one with the one another. The fact that Allah is ilah that's been mentioned. And what corresponds to that from our attributes? Ibadah. We worship Him. Hence, because He's ilah. Number two, Allah is Rabb. That's been mentioned. What corresponds to uh, our attribute or quality? Isti'ana. We seek assistance. Number three, Allah's Rahman has been mentioned. What corresponds to our uh, characteristics? Talab Hidayah. We seek guidance from Him. Number uh, three, Allah, or uh, number four, Allah's Rahim has been mentioned. And it corresponds with us asking Istiqama from Allah. And lastly, Allah's Malik has been mentioned. And that corresponds to us seeking Ni'mah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Seeking Ni'mah of Allah. Right, so this is uh, something that we understand is the beauty of the surah that it has so many amazing uh, points. No wonder it's been called the khulasa and the gist of the Quran. May Allah subhanahu wa taala make you and I from amongst the students of the Quran our entire life, and may He allow us to be inspired by the never-ending gems of this beautiful surah and beautiful Quran. Uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant all of us istiqama. May He grant me tawfiq, grant you tawfiq. I ask all of you to pray for the ummah, pray for me as well, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not make this knowledge that I share a proof against me, but rather inspires me to become amongst those who are been accepted to practice and whatever they share. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Allahumma anta salam wa minka salam wa tabarak ya al-jalali wa ikram. Allahumma laka alhamdu kulluhu wa laka shukru kulluhu. Allahumma la nuhsi thalana alayka anta kama athnayta ala nafsik. Ya hayyu wa qayyum birahmatika nastaghith. Aslih lana sha'rana kulluhu la takin la ila anfusina tarfa ta'in. Allahumma ya hayyu wa qayyum birahmatika nastaghith. 
اللهم اشفنا واشف مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين وارحم موتانا وموت المسلمين اللهم يا حي قيوم اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين انعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين اللهم انا نسالك رضاك والجنه وما قرب اليه من قول او عمل ونعوذ بك من سخطك والنار وما قرب اليها من قول او عمل اللهم وفقنا لما تحب وترضى من القول والعمل والنيه والهدى انك على كل شيء قدير اللهم انا نسالك رضاك والجنه وما قرب اليه من قول او عمل ونعوذ بك من سخطك والنار وما قرب اليها من قول او عمل سبحان ربك رب العزه عما وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين وجزاكم الله خيرا والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته